parents on Friday afternoon that the reason we do this is because we love Christ. That is the only reason that we would give all that we have to your children this week is because we love Christ and therefore we want them to see the love of Christ in us so they can receive the gospel message and uh What we're going to be talking about is someone who encountered the grace of God this morning. Uh, The students um, and and the kids this week have been learning about this story in which I'm going to share to you. Um, Kanan Sanders and Patty Cottle were in charge of sharing the Bible study and they did a fantastic job sharing with the kids each way in creative ways. But... um, This morning I get to preach to you the story of Zacchaeus, the story of a changed life. So this morning I want to ask you this question before we get started. You know this story well, and as we go about this story, we're going to understand that uh, maybe we always think of people out there as Zacchaeus, not us, right? We, we, we kind of think about ourselves not as the tax collector sinner, but as the person that knows and understands the gospel. And yet we're all like Zacchaeus in different ways of our life, and we're all in need to sit at the table with Christ. So I want to ask you this question. Do you believe that God can change your life? I wrote in my, in, my, in my sermon here, do you believe that God can change someone's life? But I want to ask you the question, do you believe that God can change your life? Because oftentimes when we preach the word of God, we, we look to the person to our right or to our left, or we think of someone in our head and we go, that's for them. I wish they could hear this sermon. And this morning, I want you to open your ears and your eyes to say, this is for me. This is not for the guy across the street. This is not for the community member out here. This is not for my unsaved family member. This is not for my spouse. This is for me. And what God wants to speak in and through and to me. Do you believe that God can change your life? Do you believe that he can take your way, your own opinion of how you should live your life and change it. This is what God does in changing the lives of people. He changes hearts and he minds and he makes them new creations made to do the work and the will of God in their own life, in our own life. This is God's transformational work in his children. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is his good, acceptable, and perfect will. So when we look at this story this morning of Zacchaeus, I want you to see how God changes this man's life, but how he can also change the direction of your life. Instead of a worshiper of money, 
Zacchaeus becomes a giver, an extravagant giver. So Luke chapter 19, we can open up here this morning to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to read the story, verses 1 through 10 this morning, of a changed life through an encounter with Christ. So stand up with me in honor of reading God's word as we read Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And it says this, He entered Jericho, speaking of Jesus, it was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on the account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We thank you for this gospel message that we see all over this passage, that you came to seek and to save that which was lost, and you transform our life and every area of our life, even the idols in which we have worshipped for many, many years, you transform and to be used for your glory and your kingdom and for the furthering of your kingdom. Father, we ask this morning that you would speak to us as we hear this word, that we would not think of others, but we would think of ourselves as we see the word of God transforming our hearts and minds to see the grace of God at work in our own life. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How do do you know that the salvation has come to your house, right? That's what Jesus says. Today, salvation has come to this house. How do you know that salvation has come to your house? Your life is radically changed. That's how you know. The idols of your life have been cast aside and those things in which you once searched for, longed for, worshipped with your life, spent all your time for, you use for the kingdom of God. There are countless stories of people meeting or encountering the grace of God in their life, encountering the gospel message 
And then their life is changed. We see them all over scripture. We've studied through Acts. We see Saul who would kill Christians now wants to go and share the gospel. The demoniac, the woman at the well, the thief on the cross, the prostitute that washes Jesus' feet with perfume. She used perfume for other things. Now she uses it to worship the Lord. Matthew, who's a tax collector, a disciple of Jesus. You see, the number of people in this room, and, and, and this is why, one of the reasons why we do this at the men's breakfast every month, is we share how the Lord has transformed our life so that we are reminded that he is constantly transforming our lives. The number of people in this room that have been changed by the power of the gospel is staggering. People transformed by experiencing the grace of God in Christ and now willing to give of themselves, of their life, of their finances, of their entire being for the glory of God. I, I, I never forget the story of this man. His name was Willard Ringgold. He was a pecan farmer in southeast Oklahoma. He was a rough man. A harsh man who lived by the sweat of his brow. He was a farmer. They're tough guys. They live and they die by the planting of their crops. He made something of himself by purchasing some land and clearing it. Planting some pecan trees. It's a hard business. You grow the tree, it takes time to grow the tree, then you pray that there's enough rain through the summer, and then you go and you shake this tree. They have like machines now that you shake, but you used to, you have to get up in the tree and you'd shake the tree so that these small nuts fall to the ground and you pick up each nut and you put it in a bag. That was their life, Okay. And, and, and if, if, you're, if you had a good season, you get paid a few bucks per pound of these pecan nuts, okay? That's how he has made his living with his life. Willard was married to Ellen, who loved the Lord. She taught women's Sunday school class, would go to church every Sunday. The only problem was Willard, her husband, would not go. He didn't believe in the Lord, didn't think he needed to. She would tell me that many times she thought about leaving this harsh man. And for 57 years, she prayed for him to come to know Jesus, that he would change the direction of his life. And after 57 years, Willard began to be sick. He had heart issues which limited his ability to take care of the farm. The one thing that he had had purpose in, his plan, his way had been taken away from him. I asked Ellen one day if I could come over to her house to pray with Willard that he was scared that he was going to lose his life. And I did. We began to 
talk to Willard. I began to share this gospel message and the grace of God for Willard life. And this time Willard seemed to intently listen. It seemed different. He was even asking questions about what it meant to follow Jesus. What it meant to be saved. And that very day in his living room Willard played a very simple prayer. One like a child would pray. Asking Jesus to save him. In his 70s, he humbled himself to understand the need for Christ and the direction of his life. Ellen would read stories to Willard every night of the Bible. Just like a little child reading, beginning the story of creation and reading the stories of the Bible, Willard had never wanted to hear nor understood. And he began thinking of others. One of the things Ellen would say is that he really wants to give to sponsor a child to go to False Creek. She said, in all my years of going to church, I gave what I could in the offering plate, but he would never allow me to give financially or substantially. And now he wants to give to send kids to hear the message of the gospel. That is a changed life. This is what we see in the life of a very rich man who profits off taking other people's money. And he now wants to give it away. This is a changed life, a renewed mind. A mindset that was once all for himself and now becomes for the glory of God. You see, my purpose in preaching this passage this morning for, is for you to change the way you think in light of the truth of the gospel. There are three essential truths that we see in this text for a changed life. Number one is this, a changed life comes from God and his desire to seek and to save the lost. Number two, saving faith brings about a changed life. Number three, giving is a response to God's salvation. Now, when Jesus is walking into Jericho, he has just healed two blind men. And now these blind men who can now see are glorifying the Lord. So he has made this commotion as he's going through Jericho. Zacchaeus knows that he's there. And we get to verse 1. He entered Jericho, was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, Jericho is the largest trading center, is a large trading center. It is, thus, it has a lot of commerce. That means there's a lot of business. That means there's a lot of taxes. That means there's a lot of money. And he's the chief. He's the chief tax collectors. He's the top of the food chain. The Bible says he's rich. There's three main places they collected taxes in Jerusalem, Jericho, and Capernaum. And he is at the top. So what did a tax collector actually do? It's not, it wouldn't be the same as it is today. What's the big deal? This guy has a job. He collects 10% or 5% or 25% or 35%. Whoever, whoever's in charge, right? But what, what 
What does he do? Well, as the Roman Empire would expand, they would put people in charge to be tax collectors in the city. These people were natives of the city. They knew the city. They knew the commerce of the city. And they would collect taxes for the Roman government. So the Roman government would set the base tax, the property tax, the agricultural tax, whatever the tax collector would would make. And then whatever he made above the base tax, that was his. He could keep it. So the tax collector could tax as much as he wanted to tax. He could tax on animals. He could tax on the cart. He could have sales tax. So you can see how the most hated people at this time by their own people would be these tax collectors. Why? Because he basically betrayed everyone, his own nation, his people, his family, his friends, to take their money. Tax day was every day. And Zacchaeus was profiting off of other people's money. The religious leaders called the tax collectors the worst of the worst. In Luke 7.34, Jesus is called one of the worst names he could be called. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. Zacchaeus was possessed by money. And he would do anything to get it. But he's looking at this Christ. He wants to see what this is all about. He's too short, so he has to get into the tree. Verse 3, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead, climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. I don't know if you've ever seen a CEO or a corporate CEO run and then climb into a tree just to see a human being. But you can imagine Zacchaeus as a big wig in the town, has lots of money. He definitely wants to see Jesus if he's willing to climb a tree to see him. He's curious about this Jesus. He wants to know what this is about. And God has been working on his heart to encounter this Christ. Verse 5, we see what happens. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they grumbled. He has gone into the guest of a man who is a sinner. This is our first point this morning. God desires to seek and to save the lost. God's desire is to seek and to save the lost. Jesus doesn't ask if he can stay at Zacchaeus' house. He commands it, an imperative command. I must stay at your house today. The people grumble and complain 
Why is he going to this guy's house? What a disgrace this man is. Look at what he has done with his life. What a sinner. And yet this is the great truth of all scripture. The almighty, infinite creator God wants to seek and to save me. He wants to seek and to save you. A lost sinner. Look at, look at verse 10, how the story ends. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You, you see, sometimes we forget as Christians that we are the sheep that have gone astray. Sometimes we we forget that we are the ones who are in need of God's salvation. You see, it began in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve have sinned. They've broken God's command. They've broken the law. They've eaten the fruit. They've tasted and disobeyed God's command. And they're in shame, hiding in the bushes. And God says, where are you? Ezekiel 34, 16 says, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the straight. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. God gives us the ability to find him because he is pursuing us. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find you, me when you seek me with all your heart. Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Jesus calls to Zacchaeus. He's interested in who this Jesus is and Jesus sees him. And he knows him. And he says, I'm coming to your house today. What if, what if Jesus said that right now? I'm coming to your house today. A few years back, I had a, a pastor in which I grew up with. He, he's, he's kind of a, a big deal uh, uh, in, in Oklahoma Baptist world. And he went out to visit me he drove an hour and a half. This is a few years ago to go have lunch, and um, we were talking about the area we're living in. We're talking about our house, and I said, "You know what? I'll just drive you by our house." And uh, he was like, "Do you need to call your wife?" And I said, "Ah, no, it'll be fine. I'll just, I'll just, we'll just open the door, and <laughs> she'll be fine." <laughs> and uh, so we pulled up to the house. And I was like, oh man, I probably should call her, tell her we're outside. So I called her and she was like, we are not ready. The kids had strung all the toys out all over. They were not ready for a guest. And um, we, we just weren't ready. 
And this is how it is with Christ. Zacchaeus is not ready for Jesus to come to his house. He is not ready for Jesus to be in his life. He is not ready to follow the way of Christ. Why? Well, he hasn't, he hasn't done anything in his life up to this point. That would be exemplifying of following Christ. He hadn't cleaned up his life. He was not perfect. But this is the power of the gospel. You don't have to clean up your life to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and you allow him to clean up your life. You come and you have fellowship with Christ and you sit at the table with Jesus and you allow him to speak into your heart and your mind and it changes the direction of your life. You know, this, this, this thought of sitting at the table is all throughout scripture, okay? It's all throughout the scripture. Come and sit at the table, we're going to do that here in a minute when we uh, do the Lord's Supper. But Revelation 3.20 says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. That's what Jesus is doing with Zacchaeus. Come. I must come to your house today. Let's sit at the table. You see, Christ desires to, to come into the life of the most horrific sinners in the world and he wants to seek them out to save them. All for the glory of God. And not just save them, but to transform them so that it can be a living testimony of the grace of God in their life. Luke 5.30 says this, And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, I, I, I was thinking about the the prodigal son, right? Jesus actually tells the story of the prodigal son because the Pharisees are talking to him about eating with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus, when he tells the story of the prodigal son, you can hear in the minds of, of the Pharisees, the people who are thinking that they are righteous and holy and good, and they're, and they're thinking in their minds, they're going in their mind, they're going, yes. Okay, so this man has turned and he has repented. He's in the pig sloth and, and, and he's eating that and he realizes that the good father wants him to return. And so that's what repentance looks like. Those people need the repentance, right? That's what they're thinking in their mind. Those people need to repent. Those people need to turn. 
And then Jesus, you know, tells the story of the, of, of the, the young man running back and, and the father embracing him and welcoming him back in this beautiful picture. And he's like, yeah, that's repentance. And, and, and now they, they've got to come back. And, and I'm sure that they have to be a servant. And then, then he tells him, no, you, you're, you're, you're my son. And he welcomes him in and he has this banquet. And then the Pharisees are like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. They're having a banquet for the sinners. And then, and then, the other brother comes and goes, I'm, I'm not good with this. And Jesus says, you're like these guys. You're not, you're not good with Jesus coming and changing the life of people. You see, if, if Jesus wants to go to the lowest, to the most unworthy individuals to bring them salvation, then we as a church, we must do the same. Why do we not? What, why do we not? Well, I think it, it has to do with faith and belief that God can and will change people's life. You see, God gives his Holy Spirit to those who believe upon Christ, empowered by the Spirit to live out the gospel. So we must go to hard places, to hard people. We must sit down at the table with them and share the light of Christ and the grace of God in their life, not because we believe that we can change them, but we believe the power of God and his Spirit to change the life of people. A changed life comes from God and his desire to seek and save the lost. Look at verse 8 with me. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it full fold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also called a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is our second point this morning. Saving faith brings about a changed life. Saving faith brings about a changed life. You say, Rob, it doesn't talk about the gospel in there. It does not give us the conversation that Jesus had with Zacchaeus, but it's beautiful because the conversation is not given to us, but we know that he is, what Jesus has said through the Gospels and throughout Jesus' ministry, that salvation comes through faith in him. Some may read this passage and say, well, well, it's clear Zacchaeus is saved because he gives half of his possessions. But if we look at verse 9, we know he is saved because it says that salvation has come to this house today. Why? Since or because he is a son of Abraham. Galatians 3, 6 tells us, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. So it is actually faith in which brings about salvation in the life of Zacchaeus. And we see that from 
the text. Galatians 3.29 goes on to say, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. You see, Zacchaeus has saving faith. Today, salvation has come to this house. You see, the whole story is the difference between the, the religious leaders, the religion the practice of doing good works and the gospel. Religion says clean yourself up and then you'll be saved. Make sure to obey all these rituals. But the gospel says God has offered you acceptance in light of your invitation. Now change. Today you might be here. You say my life is a wreck. It is a mess, a complete mess. I have made a complete mess of my life. I've got to clean myself up so God will accept me. No, the gospel is the power to clean yourself up. When Jesus has come to the doorpost of your house and has knocked, it is our response to have faith that Christ will now make you new. That he will give you a new heart, one that loves God, that lives what it says according to his word. You see, we even more than Zacchaeus have experienced the fullness of God's grace You see, Zacchaeus deserved disgrace, and yet Christ showed him love and an invitation of grace. Yet we deserved judgment and wrath for our sin. And yet God gave us grace through Christ's death upon the cross. We deserve punishment for our sin and death, and Christ gave us life and peace with God. Therefore, we must believe upon Christ for salvation. We must have saving faith and trust in God with everything that we own, including our finances, because we are overwhelmed by the grace of God in our life. Once was, what was once the idol of money for Zacchaeus has now become the means by which God may show his grace to others. So what have we seen in this text so far? A changed life comes from God and his desire to seek and save the lost. Saving faith begins, brings about a changed life. And verse 8, go to it again. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, he calls him Lord, The half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. This is our third point this morning. It's thus, giving is a response to God's salvation. Giving is a response to God's salvation. How how could a, a thief, a robber, someone who has been willing to do anything to get to the top, anything for money, declare that he's going to give away half his stuff. Well, 
Let's talk about it for a minute. Zacchaeus worshipped money. He made his priority over anything and everything making money. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money was an idol for Zacchaeus. Money is probably an idol for many of us in this room. We will do a lot of things to get money. We will cheat on our taxes. hope not, but we will go for the next race, whatever that cost to our family. We will covet our neighbor's boat, car, clothes. We will go into debt to get whatever we want, even if it's not within our means. We will refuse to give to the Lord the first fruits of what he has given to us. And we will just give him the leftovers. And yet what God does with us, his people, his church, is he replaces our love for money with the love for Christ as the number one priority in our life. Our mind is being renewed instead of thinking of self to thinking about God and his purposes for my life. This is the power of the gospel. It's on display this week. These young people gave their life for these kids. And it was tiring. Very tiring. He makes, God makes money idolaters and makes them givers of money. This is what God does. He takes the dominant area of sin in your life and transforms it to be used by God. He takes sexual, immoral people and makes them self-sacrificing people. Lovers of people rather than takers of people. He takes liars and makes them proclaimers of truth. He takes fearful individuals and makes them bold. This is the power of God. This is the gospel transformation that we see in the text of Zacchaeus and that we see today working in our church, in our life, even this moment. Rob, if this is true and, and God transforms the life of people, why do we see some Christians falling? Rather than being transformed, why do we see people leaving the church or leaving the faith or doing these things? What, what is it? Why do we see people even in the church selfish about themselves? Why is that? Let me ask you the questions. From the text of scripture, do we understand the saving grace of God? Do we understand that we are like Zacchaeus, not deserving of Jesus to come and sit at the table with us? 
And yet, he loved us so much that he would offer grace to us to come and sit down at the table. And number two, have we truly fellowshiped and spent time at the table with Christ? I know that's hard to hear. Do you understand the grace of God in your life and have you spent time with Christ at the table? Really? Because those two things will transform your life. 1 John 2, 3, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. We don't come to the table because we're good or we are perfect But when we come to the table and recognize the grace that God has given us, it transforms our life. Giving is a response to God's salvation. I want want to leave you with the other side of the story this morning. The last chapter, uh, in, in the last chapter before this, Luke chapter 18, Jesus meets another rich man who is seeking Jesus. He He even asks a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him to keep the commandments. He tells Jesus, I have done that since my youth. And Jesus tells him, well then sell all your possessions, give to the poor and come and follow me. And we know the end of this story, he does not follow Jesus. He goes away, he walks away sad. Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into heaven. But then he says he, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Now what is the difference between Luke 18 and Luke 19? What is the difference between the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus? In one story... The man himself is trying to get to God himself. What must I do? I've been a good man. I've kept the commandments. What else, what else do I need to do? I've, I've, I've kept them since my youth. I'm, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm everything that God needs to receive me. This is what I need to do. I'll, I've got that. Then you have Zacchaeus. Who knows he needs Christ. A sinner. A tax collector. Willing to get out on a limb and say, I I just want a glimpse of Jesus. Jesus says, come and eat with me. You see, the, the difference between the two is one knew that they were a sinner in need of a savior. See, Christ cannot renew our mind. He cannot change our life if we do not believe We are thirsty for living water.
if you don't believe that you're a lover of money, if you, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't think that you are in need of a savior today, we have a problem. An idolater of self, a lover of things. Jesus is calling us to himself to sit at the table, to experience the grace of God in our life. Some of us have forgotten what that looks like. The grace of God in our life. And today we are reminded by the story of Nicodemus that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We are no better and tax collectors and sinners, but we are saved by the grace of God in our life. Today is the day of salvation. God may be calling you to himself. We're about to take some time to sit and partake of the Lord's Supper, which is to sit at the table with Jesus to be reminded of what he did for us on the cross. And it should have an impact in our own hearts and our minds and a response to the gospel with our life. Because our life is to be given as an offering unto the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the message that you gave to Zacchaeus. And the response of this man and his giving. Father, we thank you that we see that you change the life of people, the direction of their life. And we ask that you would come and change my direction. Father, we ask that you would speak to our own hearts that we would be reminded of your goodness and your grace, that we would experience that grace and respond to that grace in love for other people that we may never have experienced before. Father, there are some whose hearts have grown cold and we need to experience that love for others again. Help us see in your word through the story that we can. We can love people through what you have loved us and what you have given to us. Help us celebrate when sinners come to Christ, when they experience the grace of God. Help us find grace for one another as we walk together in this life. In Jesus' name we pray.